Good evening, everyone. It's Necro Thursday, and this is a bit of a departure from our normal fare here at Necromaniacs Podcast. It's uh, me and the quality control manager, Rennie Resmini. We went down to Nightlands Festival this past weekend at uh, Hamilton, New Jersey at Cathedral, this incredible structure basically in the middle of not even suburban South Jersey, like country. It's out there, really far out there in the sticks. And uh, it was the site of the first ever Nightlands Festival brought to us by Cadabra Records and Chiroptera Press. And for those of you who aren't familiar, Cadabra Records is a vinyl-only spoken word label that brings you the best high-quality weird fiction, the likes of which include H.P. Lovecraft, Arthur Mackin, Thomas Ligotti, etc. You get the picture. It's that kind of thing. Impeccably narrated by such luminaries as John Paget, and impeccably scored by a variety of different composers. A lot of the work is done by Chris Bozzone, who I interviewed on Everything Went Black a few months ago. So if you want to check out that interview, we kind of go into in depth about what the label is all about and um, you know talk about music and that sort of thing. So this is the first uh, installment of Nightlands Festival. It was a really, really great time. There was a pre-show in Haddonfield, New Jersey at the Book Restoration Bindery, and it was a, a more intimate setting where uh, John and Chris performed Pictures of Apocalypse, the brand new Thomas Ligotti poetry book in its entirety, along with some selections from Noctuary, which is a, a repress of um, an older work that Ligotti did that is going to be put out on Cherub Terror Press, the publishing arm of uh, Kajabra Records, and there's going to be a, um, an LP version of it coming out as well. So, Rennie and I went down, we hung out, we had a great time. Um, I was able to catch up with, uh, with Chris and Jonathan Dennison to get their take at the end of the night. It was literally at the very, very end on Saturday night after two days of uh, really cool, weird fiction. And, um, you know, Chris was exhausted. He did all the heavy lifting as far as performances went. He was on stage for almost the entire time. So, uh, you know, he was gracious enough to speak with me at the end of the evening. And, uh, you know, just we, we talked about the, the whole event and, you know, how excited he was to have all this stuff happen. And uh, Jonathan Dennison is, uh, is the owner, founder of the label. And, um, you know, we're hoping to have these guys uh, be our extended Necromaniacs family. So if you guys are interested in this sort of thing, for sure, do yourself a favor and go to cadabrarecords.com. They have beautiful, limited vinyl of all this stuff. They have books. There's actually figures on there, too, if you guys are into collecting figures. And uh, yeah, if you're into Lovecraft and uh, weird fiction and cosmic horror and, you know, Thomas Ligotti and like, you know, real stuff like that, definitely check it out. Before we get started, I just want to remind everyone to check out the other podcasts by the Horsemen of the Podcasting Apocalypse. And of course, I'm referring to Brandon Legion's Horror Wolf 666, Jackie Smith's Into the Necrosphere, Everything Went Black which is a you-get-what-you-get style show from me on Wednesdays, and then following Thursday, Necromaniacs. Friday, Break the Apocalypse with Mike Scandato's brother, John. And Sunday, the Dark Lord, Carl Hikara, brings you Soul Knox. 
We're at Nightlands Festival, day two, here in lovely Hamilton, New Jersey. And I'm with our uh, quality control manager, Rennie. How's it going, man? Very good. <laughs> yes, we are going to be ritually sacrificed <laughs> at this place. We're at, we're at Cathedral, which is actually a really cool spot, man. It's like, um, like the outside of the building, it looks like it would be in a horror movie, right? Definitely. Like some kind of like 70s, like devil movie. You know, um, like Devil's Reign or something like that. Like, I can imagine the building being in the middle of, like, the desert. Like, some prairie. Yeah. You know? And, like, Ernest Borgnine, like, <laughs> hanging out in there. Most definitely. Yeah, but it's not. It's actually in South Jersey. There's trees around. There's traffic. There's people, you know? I've never been to this town before. Have you ever been here before? No, I've never been to Hamilton. Yeah. I've it's been like, through it. It's kind of out of the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know... 20 miles away from Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 in that part of the state. And um what well, interesting thing last night, um yeah, I, I stayed with you, Rennie. You know, you're you're gracious enough to allow me to stay at your house last night and put up with the dogs, the hellhounds. <laughs> but the um I came down from my place in Jersey, uh, you know, up north, and Rennie came out here from from uh, Philly and uh, we had two cars. And I was like, you know, maybe leave the car here, right? And forgetting that we're in the country right where no one's gonna rob you or like you know your car, car's not gonna get towed so we were talking to the people at the place and and they were like you actually i think you asked them right yeah because we were going to put the car one of the vehicles at the uh train station yeah and uh and the guy was like oh you just park it in the parking lot and of course like you know I'm like, okay, cool, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, there's some scam going on here. Like, this guy's going to, like, I'm going to come back tomorrow. My car's going to be gone or the tar tires are going to be off it or something like that. You know? Chop shopped somewhere. <laughs> but, hey, it came back here today, and everything's cool, and we just watched the first performance of the day. Um, it was a, a, a live music and narration of the Algernon Blackwood classic, The Willows. And uh, some some can say that that is one of the first weird fiction tales ever. Yes. You know, is is that something you're you like that? That's yeah, cool. I like uh, Blackwood's uh, short fiction. The stuff that I have read. Uh, that's probably his most well known, other than the Wendigo. Yeah, those are probably his two like go to stories for people. But the dude, and I didn't. I only really have read a handful of his stories, and um, but apparently there's. I mean, the guy lived to be like, like almost like a hundred years old, yeah. I think, and uh, which was odd for a guy who was born in 1869. And uh, there's like, I guess, Hippocampus is planning on releasing a six volumes complete omnibus of his material, and uh, so far the only the first two volumes are out. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Those guys, you know, they have they curate a lot of great uh, work. A lot of, you know, Lovecraft. Arthur Mackin. Mackin, yeah. Uh, was there Bierce in there, too, maybe? I don't know I if Ambrose know. Bierce is, was published by them, but that would make sense, though. Yeah, uh, Michael Shea, who's pretty uh, underrepresented. Uh, I always liked his stuff. Uh, I yeah, think Shea was, like, the kind of, like, like low-life um, weird fiction, you know? It's like if you're telling like mythos tales that involve like drug dealers and prostitutes and things like that, you know. Yes. <laughs> and uh, some people may recognize his name from 
that Netflix series where where uh, the autopsy story, his story, the autopsy showed up. Oh, oh, the um, the Del Toro. Oh man, oh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Oh, okay, yes. I didn't realize that was a Michael Shea story. Yes, that's the autopsy that is part of this uh, hippocampus collection. So I did um, a few months ago. I did an episode of Everything Went Black uh, that was with Chris uh, Bozzone, who was one of the main composers at Cadabra Records. And um, it was about the label and the Chiopera, um, Chiopera Press, which is the associated publishing company. And we talked about this festival, which at that point was upcoming like months in advance. So the fest is finally here, Nightlands Festival. We did not talk about it on Necromaniacs, though. So some of you guys out there who do not listen to Everything Went Black, this might be news to you. However, if you follow any of our Instagram accounts, I've been posting about this thing kind of leading up to it. So um, just a little background, and I'm going to try to catch up with those guys later today, maybe get a few words from them about the whole festival. So stay tuned you know, later in the episode. Um, the label is dedicated to spoken word with musical accompaniment of um mostly weird fiction primarily weird fiction and cosmic horror you know they have releases uh they're heavy on thomas Ligotti, uh heavy on hp lovecraft um there's that rampo uh the human chair that came out which was read yesterday actually that was part of yesterday's programming um and yeah just if you're into that kind of stuff it's a very unique uh sort of very specific type of label that has vinyl-only releases of this stuff. So you can't find this digitally. Um, it's a physical, tactile release. So, you know, cadabrarecords.com, go check it out. And um, really interesting stuff. And then they also have the whole uh, arm of the company, the press, the Chupterra Press, which releases books. And what just came out and what was the actual pre-show to the festival happened at another location, the uh, Book Restoration Bindery in Haddonfield, New Jersey. I, I Initially, I thought Haddonfield and Hamilton would be close together, but they're not. They're actually. not, no. They're kind of far away. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that pre-show happened on Thursday, and that was to celebrate the release of Pictures of the Apocalypse by Thomas Ligotti, which is his first published work in uh, probably like over 10 years, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think what the last thing I grabbed was... Spectral voice. That yeah, that might have been the last thing that came out yeah. by Legati. Um, so that was at this really really nice space. Uh, this really really nice lady, uh, Monique, runs it, and it's um, you walk in and it's all just old books. Like, and she is a professional restorer of you know probably like super rare books. Like, the vibe I got is like you go in if you if you've got like some super limited book that's like a thousand dollars or something like that some <laughs> collector's edition she'll rebind it like and restore it back to its original you know condition so that you can charge two thousand dollars for it instead so it's like a super like niche you know it's like one of those cool things that people do you know so the the event was at this space and it was um john paget who runs grim scribe press and is also a voice performer and chris uh, Botsone performed the entire uh, fa uh, Pictures of Apocalypse um, record, basically. So 
And then they also did a couple selections from Noctuary, which is their next uh, reissue of uh, Ligotti's material. So that was um, that was Thursday night's event, and it was um, it was pretty awesome. It was great. It was like I something that's brand new for me as far as uh, doing experiencing something like that. Like I don't know, I've never really experienced anything like that. Before. Nah, this is definitely a first time thing. It's almost reminds me of some of the. Uh industrial and power electronic shows but way more subdued obviously same same aesthetic uh synthesizers some electroacoustic accompaniment with uh narration and the guys that are doing the narration for this are pretty uh on top of their game very theatrical in spots they know how to deliver it's very that's an interesting thing very niche uh, you know it's kind of a lot over two days where you're getting hit bombarded like this it's 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 different it's- yeah yeah i I'm, I'm all i'm i was all i'm all about this whole thing man because it's it's exactly the kind of fiction i read and um the you know the, the music aspect of it too it's it's very it, it 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 accompanies the narratives like perfectly i think and it's just like i don't know it's interesting it's almost like seeing a band play really yeah you know Definitely. like like you're saying power electronics kind of noise thing but, uh, but, yeah, so that's – there's, you know, some great vendors here. Our friend Paul Romano's here. Yeah, Paul and Jeremy, Jeremy Hush. Hush. Hippocampus is here. Um, the Archive. Yep. You know, the Vinegar Syndrome. I just dropped some money on a new uh, – the uh, the re – well, the re-box set or whatever you want to call it of Martin, which that's been, like, out – you haven't been able to find that for a long time. No, nah, right? and it's already, like, going through the roof. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw the price, but I was like, you know what, man, <laughs> you only live once. You know, I don't. I don't have any expensive habits. You know, like yeah. I don't. I don't do cocaine or anything like that. So it's like, why not buy the weekend this? Weekend is young. Yeah, why not buy this thing, man, and have it? And it's it's a nice package too, man. It's got like a book, you know, mad like extras and just really vinegar syndrome. Really, usually does like a good job on that stuff. I'm trying to think, what did I grab? I. I grabbed something from Indicator from the archive. That was it. Requiem for a village. Yeah. And that's. I already spent like way too much money, but I was, I put, I was like, since I've decided to go to this thing, like since we discovered it, I discovered this thing, I was, I had a budget set for myself, you know, and I'm staying within that budget and I'm like, all right, cool. These, I'm going to give myself a few hundred hours to spend here because I knew there was going to be tons of stuff. And, um, you know, and, and I'm sticking within that budget, though. You know, I'm not going too crazy. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Well, it's, you know, it's still yeah. afternoon. But you still got the rest of the day and tomorrow. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, but it's been, it's been really cool, you know. Was there anything uh, specific um, that you were you focused in on during, during this, uh, this event? I just wanted to see how it was going to go down. I was real curious to see how this was going to be pulled off and, that's inaugural event. Uh, like I said, it's interesting. Like you said, it's almost a band, a band vibe, but spoken word. But it's a little more than spoken word. Yeah. Like I said, it's a theatrical element to it. Uh, what we just saw with the Willows was probably the best one we've seen out of the performances yet. I think so. Yeah, that was like super compelling. You know, and also St. Joshi's there. Yeah. And that, that's, for me, a high point. You know, any of you guys out there who follow the social media, it's Instagram. Uh, I've 
posted about this weekend. You see pictures of me and St. Joshi standing next to each other, and really cool. Anyone who's into like you know weird fiction or cosmic horror, or, you know, he has something to do with writing about it uh, in like sort of like a scholarly way, or any kind of annot- annotated texts of Clark Ashton Smith or H.P. Lovecraft. The better volumes of that work usually has annotations by Joshi. Yeah, he's he's great, and he's a a good character too. When you see him, he does when he's doing the intros. He's real personable. Just go up, talk to the guy, no problem. Matthew Bartlett's here too. Yep. Uh, he's great. I always liked his his fiction. I didn't realize how much stuff he actually has like published. That kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, wow. Is this much stuff? I have like four things of his. He's got quite a quite a selection. Yeah, I picked up some of his stuff too, actually. And uh, I think where I learned of him first was through Dim Shores, through Sam Cowan's. Uh, he had the publishing publishing branch. It's all small chat book and small, you know, limited publication run. Where I learned about Dim Shorts is actually through you. You, you hit me to that, that brand. And so. it's funny because John, who's doing this uh, festival from Cadaver, I've kind of met him a while back on those Ligotti boards. Oh, really? Yeah, that's funny. That's definitely where I met Sam was on that. It's, it's funny like how stuff ties in together. It's, it's weird. Small world. Yeah, funny thing. What I discovered about John uh, yesterday, actually, was that, well, first, I, I didn't know he was, lives in Syracuse, okay? Yeah, I knew that from yeah. The Promise. Yeah, and I didn't know that he was in any of these bands. Yeah, that's he was funny. In Earth Crisis and The Promise. Yeah. And probably others that I don't yeah, know Yeah, that about. I'm not too sure about, yeah. It's funny. And, uh, yeah, and he also, we have a lot of common friends because, um, though uh, none of the bands I've played in are actually wherever, like, you know, connected in any way to that like Syracuse scene we played up there a handful of times and like got to make really make some really good friends in Syracuse and John knows all those guys which I think is an added bonus you know yeah it's a, I, I think we've only played there once kind of a weird place a, in general it was a creepy uh, time that we had there <laughs> care to elaborate on that uh, I can't, I can't <laughs> without ever... implicating anyone yeah, <laughs> we played a show in Albany one night with All Out War, and I drove through a through a snowstorm to this house in Syracuse, where Todd would wake up in the middle of the the night with a guy hovering over him, admiring his hair. Was this like a real person or like? Oh some yeah, kind it of was like a real person. So I'm sure people in Syracuse know that person. Okay. So we'll just leave it at that. It was kind of creepy uh, experience there. <laughs> we played uh, with Prima and Conviction at that show, and we got the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. So yeah, it turns out that we have a lot of a lot of friends in common, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's just this is cool, and like you realize how small the world is, you know. Yeah, I had no idea that John was doing Cadabra. I didn't know who was behind that until this weekend. That kind of like 
threw me for a loop. I was like, what? It's crazy. Well, the funny thing, and I just, before we started this podcast, because I, I was asking John, I was talking to him. I was like, hey, man, you know, I'd like to get a couple words from you just about the fest, maybe as things wind down, you know. Eddie's just like, yeah, like, you know, I don't, I don't really like talking too much, but, you know, you're cool. Like, I know you, and, you know. He was great yesterday on stage. Yeah, dude, he was great. On, they had a whole thing yesterday where they had the three primary readers of the day. And he was like the MC, man. And he did a great job. Yeah, he was awesome. I was like, what do you mean? You're natural on the mic, man. So um, so anyway, but he, I'm going to catch up to him later. We're going to talk a little bit more about this thing and everything. But uh, where was I going with this? I was talking about John. <laughs> like his, um, What I learned about John. Uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So this is the point I was going to make. Is that he's not comfortable talking, and they, you know, apparently. So when I first reached out to someone from Cadabra. Um, he directed me to Chris Botsone. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, Chris is like, you know, he's the guy. He's like the, the master of ceremonies here. He'll talk to you. He's like the mouthpiece. I'm like, all right, cool. And I was like, this fucking guy, like, he doesn't want to talk to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, it's like some mysterious figure, like, in the background. Because then I also discovered that, you know, he's an artist, too, and his artwork is great. That's funny. His art's awesome, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, oh, he's one of these, like, artsy, like, dudes who, like, just wants to be in the shadows and, like, you know, I don't I don't talk to, you know, I don't do press or whatever, which is completely the opposite. Like, John Jonathan's, like, a really, really cool, like, down-to-earth guy, but he just doesn't want to fucking talk to people necessarily. So it's an honor that he's going to appear on this show. It's one of the few times people are probably going to hear his voice, actually. <laughs> so, um... If you weren't here. If you weren't here. here. Yeah, if you weren't one of the people that's here. And then... So Chris kind of stepped up, you know, he's like press guy, also, you know, the primary uh, composer on a lot of the records that gets released by Cadabra. And he's been doing work today. He's been putting in work in these last couple of, actually the last three days. You definitely got to pick his brain about the the composition. Yeah, yeah. We talk a little bit about that on the Everything Went Black episode. But he's been working overtime since Thursday, bro. Right. Thursday night, full set. They play the entire re- LP of, of Pictures of the Apocalypse, all the selections from there. Plus, like I said earlier, some, some selections from Noctuary, which is a forthcoming release by them. Yesterday, he played like probably half of the, half of the, the event. Like his, he per- performed like <laughs> yeah. almost all day yesterday. And then he, he just wrapped up the Algernon Blackwood um, Willows set. And it's not like what he's doing is physical, like a normal, like what you guys do with metal or hardcore, but it's still, it's pretty cerebral. He's got to think on the fly. He's doing stuff with synth and, like I'm saying, and guitar. Yeah. And, and it's not like, like like a DJ where, you know, this stuff's pre-prepared and he can just hit play. He's actually playing. So he is thinking. He's he's working. It's, it's a pretty cool. Yeah. There's another dude. I'm, I haven't figured out what he's doing. There's that that other guy that's on yeah. stage with him. I don't know what what his function is just yet. Nah, it's like a laptop and yeah, two laptops. And I didn't know if he was doing the audio, or if he's doing the visual aspect. Ah, but yeah. there's not much going on with the visual. Uh, not much. Imagery, like some imagery changes. He might be lending some of uh, that subharmonic noise along with the the synth. Maybe I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I could see that. I'll have, to, I'll have to ask uh, Chris about that when we talk to him later. But, yeah, he's been putting in work, man. He's been, you know, and this this is like, uh, you know, 
it's definitely like, a labor of love because this isn't some kind of money making uh, a thing for these guys. It's definitely you know they're into what they're doing. It's a limited runs of everything, so that actually makes things more expensive on their end. It's crazy. Like it's you know going into this, you're gonna lose. You're, it's your inaugural event. You know you're well, gonna yeah, lose. Regardless of what, <laughs> That's crazy. Even, even like He's some, flying in yeah. all these guys from the UK, out west. It, just organizing this, getting the venues straight. It's pretty crazy. It's a, it's an undertaking. The thing that really impressed me is, um, I mean, you, you guys listen to me talk every week, you know, and I fumble over my words. I got a horrible accent, you know, like I sound like a fucking plumber half of the time. It's because we are construction workers. <laughs> but, like, watching a guy like John Padgett uh, narrate these stories, um, and I've tried narrating stuff too. Like anyone who is on the Patreon for Everything Went Black has like there's there's episodes up there of me narrating things. It's fucking hard to do that shit, man. It's hard to like narrate something, even if I'm just recording it like into a set Pro Tools session. Right. You know, you're like you even simple words you'll fuck up. Like like I am or whatever. You'll you'll fuck it up. You'll find a way to make a mistake. Yeah, these guys have been thorough everything's enunciated well everything's it's they definitely have theatrical backgrounds yeah. they even mentioned that when they had their q a and yesterday they're they're gifted guys man yeah. it's definitely it definitely takes a talent to do what they do and, and you know as i mean i constantly forget lyrics too like when, when i'm performing in the band yeah, but you got an excuse. You're also playing guitar. But I, but nonetheless, I forget words to songs. So I'm watching these guys. There's really like a very minimal set, minimal musical thing going on. It's a tone, very yeah. ambient sounding music happening. And the center point of the performance is the narration. Right. Right. So this guy is front and center. They're like, oh, you know, people are there watching you. That is the the meat of the performance is the spoken part, and Dude, for the most part, I was. It's not only not only do they not fuck up the words. It's like, we're done with intention and a lot of and and like a theatrical twist to it. Yeah. You know, like they're acting out, especially the dude. Who did, yeah, who the, did. the willows. Yeah, the guy was, was like awesome, really projecting, and he was like you know, very he was emoting through the whole performance. And you know he he, he there's a it's a condensed version of the story because I think the Willows itself is like 90, 90 pages or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've read that. I would let's say it's an even one hundred pages, between seventy and hundred pages maybe. So to read something like that in real time would take a long time. So it's a condensed version of the story, but still the guy delivered and it was like on point. And that was probably as much as I like I love John Paget. That was the probably the standpoint the, the centerpiece of the weekend so far definitely yeah but yeah it was um you know and it looks like Paget's going to be doing the legati selections yeah yeah well pat i haven't read his his work like i i subscribe to his um publication vastarian which is like a, you know comes out periodically and, but I haven't read his his uh, his own fiction, but you have though, right? Yes, I have read that one short story book. He's very much like Ligotti in a way. He definitely has his differences. You know, it's it's he's influenced by Ligotti, but he admits that himself. You know, 
And he also had mentioned yesterday how he has had a fascination since growing up with puppetry, mannequins, you know, that stuff that kind of comes in with Ligotti, too. Does anyone selling Paget's book out there? I didn't notice it here, but you can get it online. I remember, uh, I, yeah, for some reason he isn't selling it here, which is weird. Huh. Now I'm now I'm intrigued because, um, you know, like I said, I've only known him as a as a narrator and and as a guy who curates other fiction, and I I didn't read, I have not read his book yet, and but now after hearing him talk about his fascination with puppetry and ventriloquism and stuff. And yeah. that, for anyone out there who hasn't read much Ligotti, like mannequins and, you know, invisible strings guiding inanimate human figures through the world is a huge part of his uh, underlying philosophy that's in all of his, a lot of his stories. You know, how there's like this unseen mechanical force like driving everything forward, you know, and no, not necessarily a soul, you know, which is one of those things that comes up in the darkness, the shadow, which is like, you know, we're just material, but then there's like this deeper mechanical force driving everything forward. And I think that's what Ligotti's like fascination with marionettes and maybe even Paget's like, you know, puppetry fascination kind of ties into that a little bit. Yeah. And I'm curious too with the, the Ligotti thing since, uh, True Detective from years back, how that's impacted for for John and the label, you know. Did that? Did people like suddenly look for Ligotti, find, you know, Cadabra Records, and you know, like learn stuff through through there? Because Ligotti isn't super like well known. No. He's he's like an author's author, uh, but. Definitely, like, True Detective mining some of Ligotti's work. There was uh, some attention being thrown towards him that after that, that first season, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, there, the scene where uh, Rust Cole, like, basically breaks down his pessimistic philosophy is, word, you know, it's a pretty much, like... Conspiracy a, against the human race. Yep, exactly. It's the same. Even, even by calling himself a pessimist, you know, <laughs> is, like, part of that whole... Schopenhauer-esque conspiracy against the human race philosophical book that Ligotti wrote, which is like not one of his, it's like his nonfiction book, you know, and that's interesting about that show because, you know, no one, I feel like The King in Yellow and, and uh, you know, Robert Chambers and all that stuff is um, even Wagner, like Carl Edward Wagner, someone, believe, believe it or not, after talking to a bunch of people here today, yeah, completely unfamiliar Familiar with, with him yeah and that's because it was out of print for so damn long yeah. so Valancourt come up and knocked it out of the park with that reissue yeah so hopefully they somebody uh reissue some of his other work too one of the things I, I'd like to find out about about Cadabra is like you know they don't have any Chambers stuff either they right I don't have any Robert Chambers I don't have any King in Yellow or like any of the short stories from from that volume you know I'm just curious if they have plan on ever doing one of those yeah it's definitely something to ask yeah that, yeah. that would make sense i'm that's probably like so much to deal with uh what's in yeah licensing and what's like available yeah yeah 
I just thought, you know, these are all good questions we should ask these guys later. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's like, this is like a precursor, con- yeah. precursor to like a mini interview, I guess, with John and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and Jonathan and Christopher, Chris, you know. As yeah. I asked John yesterday, I was like, Joel Lane, he would probably be an author that would be great for some of the, this narration because all, all the short stories. Yeah. You know, something like that. Brian Avenson. Yep. Would be like really good too. Yeah. So before we came over here today, we, we caught a movie. I watched a movie that I had never seen before called Mimic 3 The Sentinel. <laughs> yeah. What made, you, what made you put that on this morning? I just, dude, I scroll through the, you know, the, the menu on the, the TV and I see, oh, this is coming on later. Let me put that on. You'll see, like, stuff pops up on my TV all the time. Oh, this, it'll jump from one thing to the other. But I just left that on because I... I think that movie's pretty like underrated. It's a total ripoff of like Rear Window mixed with you know the original Mimic. Uh, it's just a fun little movie, real fast. What's it, seventy-seven minutes? Yeah, it was like real short, <laughs> man. It was like, almost, like very, very short, but it didn't feel like abbreviated at all. No, you know I mean? no, it does what it needs to do in that time and gets out. I didn't even know it existed. I gotta be honest. I only knew I knew Mim- I know Mimic because I you know Del Toro's film from like the late night ninety seven or ninety eight or something like that, and I was like, oh, it's a cool movie. I did not. I knew that I knew of a second one, but I did not know there was a third. Yeah, and the third one I actually caught at a Danger After Dark during one of the Philadelphia Film Fests. It was part of that curated uh, thing, and uh, yeah, J T. Petty who did. The Sandman or S&M Man. It's his, one of his movies. And I didn't realize he was a Ubisoft uh, creator. Uh, yeah, you know, he cribs from Rear Window a lot with it and makes it, like, skeevier. <laughs> I was, sure. like, really blown away by the movie. And it might even be some. I recommended it to, you know, I, after we were watching, I texted Mike, and I was like, you know, I, I actually, you know what? This might be a Jeff movie. You think? I don't know, man. Mike didn't. Mike didn't even know of the existence of it. And you said he's working at HBO for uh, <laughs> in well, some capacity. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know, man. Like that's he didn't know about it. I should. I'm gonna, I should text Jeff uh, soon about it too. Jeff. Um, oh yeah, that's you, know, you gotta tell why I'm doing this. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Other than being here, there is a reason. Yeah. All right. Jeff got attacked by a dog, okay? This is a true story. So he he's he's been incapacitated. So that's why we got we had we had a you know programming scheduled, right? But we had to um revise that. So since Rennie and I are down here at, at uh, the festival, we figured we'd give a little report on what's going on. So Jeff is back in action though next week and uh you know, he's uh fully healed, recovering, you know, doing his thing. It wasn't that bad. Like he, he's okay. You know, so don't. But maybe, maybe send some messages to him that you guys are thinking about him. Yeah, so. get well. Get well. Unbelievable. Flowers. You know, maybe virtual flowers or something like that. Rabies shots. <laughs> that would be the first thing that would terrify me. Well, the initial shock of having a wild animal, or a, two wild animals attack me. Well, you had that last night with the hellhounds. Well, well, yeah, but they weren't. I didn't feel like I was in danger last night, though. Really. <laughs> Besides, you know, just like they were going to, they're all good, man. But like, that's terrifying enough. But then the aftermath is whether or not I contracted 
rabies or some savage like infection or something like that, you know? Crazy. Walking your dog, walking the dog, and it gets out of control. <laughs> Unbelievable. Again, you were saying like she didn't even like ask him if he was okay. Jeff's out doing his job, gets attacked. Yeah, and and it was it was all her apparent. Well, Jeff will tell the story, but yeah, my my impression was her first thing was like, it's not my dog. <laughs> like, not are you okay? Oh my God, look at your blood. Is your are you bleeding? Can I help you somehow? Oh, this isn't my dog. That was her first like reaction Jesus when this Christ. guy is like this poor kid is like attacked by these two dogs, you know. Unreal. <laughs> but yeah, mimic man. I um mimic three. Yes. The Sentinel. I um. Right away, I was like, man, this this looks like like a unique film. It was like it had that vibe of like a Hitchcock, like a color Hitchcock film, and uh, we once again could not figure out where, you know place the city it was filmed in it was people with like american style english accents you know being american accents speaking english rather uh and like there was an american flag but the city looked like no american city i'd ever seen you know and uh it just that added to the weirdness of the film yeah it definitely does it's an odd movie to begin with it's like the acting is so strange in spots. Uh, like I said, it's like rear window. And I even mentioned while we're watching, it's like, because of the, the Hitchcock stuff, I was like, Mike, did you guys ever do body double? Immediately I texted Scandato and he responded, no, we haven't. So, so I, I think that's something that's coming down the line for us. Maybe, uh, you know, we like doing the horror adjacent stuff. You know, Hitchcock is like, very much adjacent to most horror. I mean, some of his, obviously, some of his stuff is straight up horror. Yeah, The Birds and Psycho. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, something like Body Double, Brian De Palma. We have done a Brian De Palma film. We did uh, Dress to Kill, you know, the, an American Giallo film. Did you ever do Carrie? No. There's another, another De Palma. Good. There you go. But, um, yeah, Body Double, though. Perfect. It'd be a great film for Necromaniacs. It's um, one of my actually uh, one of my favorites that he's done. Really, it's got a young Melanie Griffith in it. Yep. It's got uh, that one guy that's in it. That dude, that's you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember his name. And but that Frankie guy. goes to Hollywood. Frankie goes to Hollywood video. It's like a surreal ass movie. That was like the Fellini moment in that yes. movie. Yes, very much. Good good call. Yeah. Fellini moment in that movie. Like Not the Yardbirds, but Frankie Goes to Hollywood. <laughs> and it's also just got this grimy like vibe to it. Like this is grimy L.A., Hollywood, showbiz kind of thing going on in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just a really good sleazy-ass movie, you know. It kind of predated the um, erotic thriller craze, I think, of the 90s. Yeah, because it's like 83, maybe? It might, yeah. It's the early 80s, that movie. I can't remember. I'd yeah. have to look it up. We're sitting in a parking lot right yeah. now, so it's hard to us to, to like look these things, things up. up. You know? yeah. So it's like we're going we're gonna to estimate that it came out in the early 80s. You know, the 90s, of course, you had the Michael Douglas uh, yes. canon of films. <laughs> yes. You know, with, uh, <laughs> with Sharon Stone doing her thing. Yeah. She had a couple that she was doing her thing in. But when I think of erotic thrillers, I think of Michael Douglas, though. <laughs> You know, taken like, after his old man. Yeah, in in what was it was it Basic Instinct with Sharon Stone? Yes. Yeah, 
the thing, when I think of that movie, I don't think about the obvious stuff, you know, like Sharon Stone's uh, yeah. vagina. I don't think about that necessarily. But I think about Michael Douglas in that disco <laughs> with that horrible V-neck sweater that he's wearing. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when, when people say, oh, have you ever seen Basic Instinct? I go, yeah. And I think a fucking picture of Michael Douglas in the dance club with this awful V-neck brown sweater. Like, who wears that out to go dancing? <laughs> Michael Douglas yeah, does, it, man. It's just like, he's like a cop, you know? He's like, gets rough with women a lot of stuff. It's just like some 90s shit, man, you know? That and Black Rain. Wasn't that the other one with uh, Andy Garcia in, in Tokyo? Black Rain was a good one. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. But uh, his whole racing motorcycles uh, thing in that. Black Rain, Black Rain was a pretty solid movie, I thought. And, uh, yeah, definitely within his, his like, canon of, of 90s films. Speaking of Andy Garcia, uh, Internal Affairs is the best. Richard Gere is, is the sleaze bag in that. He's awesome in that. I yeah. love that flick. It's the great neo-noir. Yeah. That's like something that you'd think James Elroy would have done. Yeah, it very much has an Elroy-like vibe to it, for sure. You know? But, uh, yeah, that's, I don't know, it's, it's just... Um, that that's a movie that like it verges on that erotic thriller at times, but it's definitely more of like a you know like a neo noir. I would say. Yeah, even maybe a little Abel Ferrara if he was in L.A. That has like some of that like that that look, the color color scheme to it, like King of New York, red, white, blue color scheme going on. Especially with some of those weird. Sequences when he's hanging out with the hookers. That's very much Abel Ferrara hanging out with uh, prostitutes and sleaze, sleazy ass people. Yeah, actually, yeah, that, that scene does definitely remind me of something from a Ferrara film. Well, let's um, let's go back in, man, and check out what's going on, and hopefully, uh, fairly soon, um, probably seconds from now, you guys will be hearing some uh, some talks with uh, with with Jonathan Dennison of uh, Cadaver Records and Chris Bozzone of Cadaver Records as well. And those guys are in the middle of it. So I want to wait for maybe the day to kind of wind down a little bit and catch up with them. You know, congratulate them on the success of the first inaugural um, episode or event here rather than episode. And uh, just catch up with them and see what they got to say about everything. So stand by. Fortunately, I had a chance to catch up with Jonathan Dennison and uh, Chris Bozzone at the end of the night. So here we go. This is what they had to say about the event. So Jonathan, you're a man of few words, man. You know what I mean? You're a guy that's, uh, you know, you've said quite a few words tonight. However, you're sort of like um, mysterious in a lot of ways. Because when I first reached out to you guys, uh, you you know, I spoke with Chris and I was like, oh. Jonathan Dennison is a mysterious figure in the background running a mysterious record label called Cadaver Records. So I'm so happy to finally have you here. You and I have been talking quite a bit over the last couple of days. And I just uh, wanted to congratulate you on the first installment of uh, Nightlands Festival. So how's it feel to have this thing wrapped up finally? Hey, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, as far as what you had just mentioned, um, I don't need to say much because I hope that the work I do speaks for itself. Um, we've had a blast at Nightlands. We had an incredible amount of talent perform. And I think 
we've um, exceeded expectations. I think a lot of people walked in not really knowing what to expect. And of the history of doing Cadaver Records, the biggest uphill struggle has always been trying to get people to understand what we do. And you know, people say, oh, you, you do audiobooks. It's not a damn audiobook. Um, it's scored with music and it's a performance. Um, so people got to see that live and um, we had a lot of fun. I, I mean, the, the, so much incredible talent and um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually, uh, I definitely want to underscore the fact that it's not an audio book. And one of the things that I likened it to, and it's not at all like this, but old power electronics performances where there might be some element of narrative associated with it. And um, it's like that but it's way more subtle and it's uh, focused 100% on weird fiction and cosmic horror. Seeing it perform live is frankly like watching a band perform in a lot of ways, especially with some of the artists that have worked together, you know, prior on, you know, more extensively like Chris and uh, John Padgett. There's an energy on stage where there's a, there's definitely an energy going on with, in a band, like almost like a band setting. So, the records are great if you're into weird fiction and you enjoy like subtle ambient music, but I really felt like seeing it perform live t took it to a whole different dimension for me. Ab so. Absolutely. I think the two complement each other yeah. between the music and the reader. Um, as far as the music goes, I always refer to it as the shadow on the wall approach um, where the music's subtle enough where it's not intrusive upon the reader and the story itself and my goal is 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 to have the listener to still use their imagination to create a visual picture on what they're listening to without the music really spelling that out for them there's um there's there's another medium such as um full cast audio plays which will have sound effects it's almost a comic book version of um of, of a story and i and i and i've done some of those it's a complete different beast yeah, with their with their single reader um, productions, we really tried to separate the two, and um, and we sort of coined that recipe on very subtle music that that again is not intrusive, but definitely creates a tone um, that gives a, a certain elegance to what you're listening to, and at the same time, creating a sonic nightmare. You know, yeah, that that's one way to put it. Um, but yeah, so in short, there you go. Yeah. Now, one of the things I learned, cause like Rennie and I were discussing how, uh, one of our favorite collective authors, Robert W. Chambers, to our knowledge was not representative of Cadabra, but I learned that that's not true. So did you guys, you, I think you guys have like some, an early release with Robert W. Yeah. Chambers, yeah. We've right? done, we've done the, the yellow sign okay. and, um, and yeah, that, that was with, um, Maurizio. Gianni, who uh, from Goblin, and, and that, that 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 record's incredible, and um, that's read by Anthony D.P. Mann, and um, that's one of our great early releases. Stole a great release, stolen print too. So oh, it definitely grabbed okay. it. The, the thing's incredible, and um, we we've done a seven inch with some of the um, the short poetry within that same collection um, called Carcosa. Obviously, Ambrose Beers did Carcosa, mm -hmm. but but um, the um, the the chambers. Carcosa 7-inch 
is also brilliant. I mean, it's it's um, you know again, it's it's elegant and it's it's a, it's very it's a poetry. It's it's a little bit different beast from the yellow side. It's still part of that same cycle. Right. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I'm gonna have to look for that then because I didn't. I'm somehow I missed that on the site when I was looking looking into the, what you guys had going. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. A lot. I mean, I think about eight years has gone by with Cadabra, and we're. Uh, like right now I'm submitting my maybe 100th and 15th official release and there's been like another 30 of like half releases of just musical um, um, companions to some of these records so time has flown by and I myself sometimes have to refer to discogs to even remember what catalog number things are yeah some might say time is a flattened circle in some circles so <laughs> right right yep yep well thanks a lot Jonathan I appreciate it you're wrapping things up right now and I don't want to, you know, interfere with any of that stuff. Oh, you're good. I, I appreciate the interview, and, and your your hospitality has been nothing but awesome. Oh, dude, thank as well you. Well, support. Thank you very much. And it's been a pleasure coming down here and spending time with you guys. And I look forward to more stuff. Absolutely. Right, Absolutely. Jonathan, thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> oh yeah, bro. So, Chris, the hey. hard, the hardest working man of the weekend, dude. <laughs> you know. How does it feel to have this thing behind you now? Feels great. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of hard work and it was worth it completely because from what I can tell, people had a great time and there was just such an incredible wealth of talent and diverse talent that was here this weekend. So between the unparalleled voice artists and the visual artists, and also Slasher Film Festival strategy. It was just um, a real uh, wonderful thing to have so many amazing people in one space over the course of a few days. Yeah, I had a great time, and I was talking to Jonathan earlier about it, and uh, you know, listening to the records is an excellent experience. You know, you hear your favorite weird fiction being narrated by incredible voice artists and with the music musical score, but Performing, seeing it live, performance really adds a whole other dimension to it, you know, and especially like the work you and John Paget were doing is like, it's almost like a band. Like it very much feels like a band performance, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I really think that when people experience Cadaver Live for the first time, a lot of things probably click in terms of the inner workings of what goes into these records mm -hmm. and how meticulously mapped out and planned they are in terms of the precision of the narration performance, in terms of the musical composition and the kind of cinematic approach, which is what makes Cadabra uh, unlike anything else that's ever come before, is you know giving it this, this big cinematic feel to the spoken word tradition. Mm -hmm. And um, in respect to what you said about you know John Paget and I, We've had the, the great fortune of performing a number of times over the last few years. And yeah, you know, there's certain things that we can lock into immediately through that familiarity that we have in performance. And we can really kind of let loose because, um, you know, we, we have had, we've done this a number of times and have an ease with it and can, um, you know, uh, dial in the spirit of it, but then also kind of um, let loose with it and, and there's improvisational elements. But that's kind of how I approach 
everything within um, this live experience for all of the, the voice artists in that there is a very meticulously thought out and planned out script, if you will, of all of the different sections of the story right. and the themes that make up the, the musical score. And they're timed out to the second, to the exact line between one passage to the next, to the next, to the next. But within that, there's an improvisational element because in serving the story and in also serving the performance of the story in the moment live, the reader might have a certain level of intensity or subtlety that is a little different from the record. Absolutely. And you have to be responsive to that. And I think that that's a major part of the, the role of, of music in this, in this uh, you know, very niche form of uh, live performance. Yeah, I, I picked up on that, and that's why I was like, this is it's very much like seeing, listening to your favorite band's record and then going and seeing them live, and there's just that, that added element to it, you know. But, yeah, thanks a lot, Chris. Oh, I, thank this you, This was, Mike. like, an incredible weekend. Uh, I had a great time. Me and Rennie both had a great time, and, um, you know, you, you must be exhausted. <laughs> Fantastic. And, yeah, no, I'm, I'm tired, but it was all very much worth yeah. it, and I'm so thankful to Jonathan Dennison, the, the founder of Cadaver Records and the visionary behind the label for making this a reality because, you know, community is, is really important and, you know, fostering such a wonderful community um, is just a really gratifying experience. And I'm sure you can attest to everyone that was here this weekend is an amazing person yeah. and very talented, very diverse in their talents and their interests and their passions and their expertise and to be in a room full of such inspirational people you know that's that's what life is about and keeps things going and then keeps things you know inject some magic into our daily lives yeah I mean, even even for me like it, it puts some germs of ideas in my head too about the creative work that i do you know even coming here and experiencing this gave me another angle to look at the stuff that I do differently and that's you know that's, that's beautiful you know that's wonderful and, and that's what it's all about you know is putting things out into the world and uh, responding to things and it, it generating more great work in a, an assortment of forms well thank you very much this thank is awesome you, Mike. thank you
singing, you will know it is time. When you hear the singing, you will know it is time. When you hear the singing, you will know it is time. When you hear the singing,